MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Vaping is becoming more and more popular, and this is especially true for our teenagers and young adults. So today we have Dr. Wes Aldredone with us. He is a pulmonologist or a lung doctor at UMMC, and he's going to be discussing with us the potential dangers of vaping as well as tobacco use. And we'd love to hear from you. So share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're going to be talking about vaping. Vaping is becoming a trend that's more and more popular, especially among our teenagers and our young adults. So today we have Dr. Wes Aldred on with us. He is a pulmonologist, also known as a lung doctor at UMMC. And so he is going to be discussing with us the potential dangers that we see with vaping as well as tobacco use. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call. Share your comments and questions with us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can also send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. Thanks for coming on with us, Dr. Aldred. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here uh, to talk about this. Yeah. So um, a little background. Dr. Aldred is actually an adult pulmonologist, um, but we um, I asked him to come in because he sees the effects of starting these e-cigarettes young and tobacco young. So he has to deal with the patients as they get older and they develop lung cancer and COPD and all the complications that come along with that. Yeah, I think it's it's important before we even start this discussion to kind of delineate the conversation. It's almost two separate conversations. E-cigarettes and kind of how they've been branded initially um, in the setting of adult patients that are already smoking cigarettes, uh, you know, it may be a consideration to switch uh, from smoking true cigarettes to e-cigarettes, and we'll talk about that later, uh, but surely under no circumstances should uh, a kid or a teen or a, a never smoker just pick these up and start smoking. Right, exactly. So um, the AAP has a lot of information out there about vaping because it's becoming um, such a popular trend that we're having to really address that um, because I see it all the time in my clinic. My middle schoolers telling me that they've started vaping. And actually this morning, the Today Show had a whole segment on uh, vaping, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because the FDA just came out with an article earlier this week um, about seizures related to uh, possibly related to vaping. So, um, so a few statistics that I found. Um, so the CDC said that adolescents, so this is not adults, this is teenagers, Adolescents, 3.6 million were vaping in 2018. That's pretty staggering numbers if you think about it. Um, it also said that uh, 20% of high school students reported that they have used e-cigarettes in the last 30 days. Um, and this, remember that e-cigarettes are technically illegal under age 18 by FDA regulations.
questions. Um, but they have ways of getting around it, and uh, they're available online. So they're able to purchase these online, too. So um, it is a $2.5 billion industry in the U.S., so lots and lots of money. And a lot of the progress that we have made with um, smoke-free environments and um, awareness about the potential dangers of tobacco, it's really set us back a lot. I, th- I think the biggest concern, especially from my perspective, is since you know we were coming up in the early 90s, we- tobacco smoking has been denormalized. It, it, mm-hmm. it was the norm that people smoked everywhere, smoked in public, inside buildings, and that's been under you know, great work by uh, anti-tobacco laws and anti-tobacco campaigns. That's been denormalized. That's not the norm anymore. And you've seen huge decreased rates of tobacco use in teens and young adults. And the concern is that the ever-increasing rate of e-cigarette use is just going to wipe all of that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it already has started. So um, e-cigarettes came on the market about in 2006, and it has only gotten more and more popular. And some of the reasons we're concerned as pediatricians and internal medicine doctors is because we know that the earlier there are studies that show that children that start smoking e-cigarettes and their teenage years are more likely to progress to uh, cigarettes as they get older. Um, So we do know that. And part of the reason that is because e-cigarettes have nicotine in them. Um, So tell us a little bit about what is all in an e-cigarette. So e-cigarettes, they're they're interesting inventions, if nothing else. But so uh, it's a little electronic device. It's got a battery uh, it's got an element that heats up, and it's got some vapor in it. And that vapor includes nicotine mostly. They do have some that are nicotine-free. However, when those have been tested uh, by the FDA, the nicotine-free ones do also contain nicotine in small amounts. Um, and so it heats up the vapor, and you're able to inhale that vapor. And so the concerning thing, uh, especially for a lung doctor, um, you know, that the e-cigarettes, these vapors are billed as having a lot less carcinogens in them than your typical cigarette. There's no tar um, or some of the other known carcinogens. However, anytime you inhale something into your lungs that is not the air around us, um, it causes inflammation to the lungs. And so inflammation to the lungs chronically can cause all sorts of respiratory diseases, COPD, emphysema, chronic bronchitis, that whole umbrella. Plus, um, when cells undergo chronic inflammation, that's how cancer develops on a basic level. Um, So that's obviously the concern for us. Right. We're talking today about vaping and tobacco use. We've got Dr. Wes Aldred, a pulmonologist, on with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So I think from the pediatrician standpoint, the nicotine is probably the most concerning for us because um, – we were all teenagers, and if you're raising teenagers, you now know that um, the teenage brain is constantly developing. <laughs> it's not developed yet. And so that nicotine, um, it is so addictive, and that is just like the completely wrong person to be introducing nicotine to is into a developing brain of a teenager. Um, as we talked about last week, you know, with the with the drowning and the teenagers, they, they're inhibitions, and they don't have that... Um, that regulation yet to make good decisions, that that part of our brain that makes those decisions. And so introducing nicotine in e-cigarettes, is def- this is the wrong age to do it. But we see it all the time. The, the vast majority of my patients that I see in my clinics that have 
a variety of lung diseases that include lung cancer. They are all heavy smokers, at least for these diseases, and almost to a point, all of them started before they were 18. They started at 14, 15. In the deep south, you get a lot of people that started at 7, 8, 9, 10, and have smoked two to three packs a day. Yeah, I saw the Surgeon General said 9 out of 10 adult smokers started before age 18. Yeah, it's very rare to hear somebody say, oh, I picked these up when I was 40. Mm -hmm. And you don't think about it because, I I mean, I remember growing up, I've I've never smoked, but I remember a lot of my friends did um, in high school and college. And, you know, it was always just, oh, well, we'll quit one day. Um, But sometimes it's hard, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it's it's a hard habit to quit. Fortunately, I've never done it, so I don't have never experienced that. But I've seen my grandparents, three out of four of my grandparents were smokers. And I saw how hard it was for them to quit. Um, So it's it's such a hard habit to quit. So if we can prevent it, that's what we're trying to do. So we talked a little bit about the nicotine in there, but tell us some of the other components, some of the other chemicals that are in there. Yes, it doesn't have the tar, which is one of the, um, and a lot of the carcinogens, but it does have some potential to be carcinogenic so, and that's right, cancer causing. Right. The, the volatile alcohols that are in there that get heated up and help vaporize the nicotine. The main one is propylene glycol, uh, which is antifreeze. Um, some of them are ethylene glycol, uh, and then they have a variety of flavorings. And, and the concerning thing to me is that none of these things are tested by the FDA. Right. You know, most of our listeners, uh, most of our patients would be appalled if you brought to them the idea that, hey, I'm going to start you on this medicine. Don't worry. It's never been started. It's never been studied by the <laughs> FDA. We don't know the long-term effects, but just trust mm-hmm. me. But they're willing to pick up these devices and inhale them into their body uh, with no concern of what the long-term effects may be. Right. Uh, as well as no quality control. You know, from one liquid, vaping liquid to the next, you have no idea what the amounts of any chemical is mm-hmm. inside of that because up until recently, um, you know, these things aren't under the FDA's umbrella. No, yeah. And no no supplements or anything like that are under the FDA's umbrella, so right. especially this included. So, um, And there are some potential side effects to these medicine, uh, to these ingredients. So nicotine can raise your heart rate. We've already talked about the major addiction potential for it. Um, the propylene glycol, like Dr. Aldred was saying, um, when it decomposes, it creates formaldehyde and other different things that can definitely be carcinogenic and can t- uh, potentially produce can- uh, result in cancer later on. Um, and it also can cause respiratory symptoms because just like he said, any inflammation. We don't have a ton of data about what specific respiratory illnesses it could potentially lead to, but we know that it definitely can eventually lead to some respiratory illnesses, well, wouldn't you say? Correct. And so the the concerning thing is so the lining of your airway, starting from your nose down to the lungs, are, are covered with um, these little um, structures called cilia. And so what cilia do is they get all of the kind of trash that we inhale from day to day, and they just wipe that stuff and, and take it all the way up the lungs, all the way back out of the mouth, up your nose, and that you know, expels um, harmful things from your body. Well, the problem is anytime you're inhaling a substance, we know for sure with cigarette smoke, but a very small leap, you can understand that anything that gets inhaled causes inflammation and those cilia stop working. And so all of a sudden, you've lost your normal protection against things in the environment. So very easily can you start to get chronic respiratory infections um, and set you up for other respiratory diseases. All right. Looks like we have a caller. So we'll go to Robert. Thanks for calling, Robert. 
thank you for, for having me on your program. I uh, would like to just add my two cents worth about these vape uh, machines. Uh, several years ago, I decided to quit smoking cigarettes and start smoking these vapes. And I was smoking the 21 milligram solution, and uh, I had been smoking red Marlboros, the real soft cigarettes. And uh, when I went to this uh, vape machine, and I was on it for about a, a year and a half until I got tired of all the paraphernalia and the leaky machines getting in my pocket, the oil and everything, I, I went back to cigarettes, and I found that I was smoking almost two packs a day of red Marlboro to keep up with the nicotine habit that I had developed in a year and a half with the vape machine, whereas before... I was at one pack of cigarettes. And of course, now I have gotten it down to less than a pack a day of Paul Mall Red, which is a little bit milder than Marlboro's. I continue to work on this cigarette problem. But I just wanted to point that out, that that was my experience with these vape machines. They deliver an awful lot of nicotine to the body and make you make your... Make your addiction a lot worse, really. It did that for me, at least. Thanks for calling, Robert. I, I, I applaud you for making the attempt uh, to quit smoking uh, cigarettes to begin with. That's honestly the hardest decision um, that most smokers face up until that point. Um, and I applaud you for making that decision. Unfortunately, your story is not uncommon um, based on the literature and based on my personal experience in clinic. Um, you know, in theory, yes, e-cigarettes probably cause less issue than traditional cigarettes. But the data to support e-cigarettes for smoking cessation is not there, and it's not recommended by the FDA as a as a an alternative to other therapies for smoking cessation. Um, you know, our, our typical first line therapies are going to be some medication, whether it be Chantix or Zyban, and uh, a t- tobacco, a nicotine replacement product. Um, and like you alluded to, the amount of nicotine that you can get in some of these e-cigarettes are very, very high. And so I've had folks that essentially did what you did and relapsed back to cigarettes at a much higher rate. But congratulations on getting down to... I'd add my two cents worth, and I appreciate your program. Thank yeah, you. no, thank you so much for calling in. Congrats on um, getting down to half a pack, and we hope that eventually you can you can get off of them. I know you're working hard, and it's a hard habit to break. I'm determined to make it. Thank good. You. Well, good luck. Thanks for calling. All so, right. Bye-bye. You are. We're talking today about vaping. We've got Dr. Aldred Own with us. He is a pulmonologist, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And we'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Yosemite Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have Dr. Wes Aldred on with us. He is a pulmonologist at UMMC, and we're talking about vaping and tobacco use and um, how it's becoming a more and more common trend that we see among our teens and adults and um, the complications that can happen with that and the long-term potential for addiction, too, as well. We'd love to hear any comments and questions, so please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kidsatmpbonline.org. So, um, interesting fact that Dr. Aldred was looking up, um, our our caller that just called said he had the 21 milligrams of the nicotine. So tell us a little bit about kind of in relation to how much nicotine just that is. Yeah, so the dosing of, of nicotine is interesting and the massive amounts that come uh, with these e-cigarettes or vaping. So typically when we are providing smoking cessation products to our patients in clinic, it's recommended for nicotine replacement therapy um, for folks that smoke more than a half a pack a day, which is a lot of smokers that you give, you start off with the 21 milligram patch. And so that patch stays on for 20, 24 hours, so a whole day. Uh, And the 21 milligrams is absorbed slowly throughout that whole day. And so with these e-cigarettes, if you get the the 21 milligram per ml dose, you're obviously getting that dose way, way more quickly Mm -hmm. um, than, than with, with the patch. So that's a, it's a huge dose of nicotine. And, and like you can imagine just with what happened with Robert, if you get tired of the e-cigarettes and you go back to normal cigarettes, you're going to find that to keep up with your nicotine habit, uh, you're going to have to smoke a lot more. Yeah. So speaking of nicotine, so one thing um, with the e-cigarettes, it's, you know, it's that liquid that comes in there that you have to, that you put in and that vaporizes. So that liquid there um, is, a lot of them are flavored, as we talked about earlier, and so that's kind of one of the draws for teenagers and, and adults as well that smoke them, um, is the flavoring that they put in there. Uh, there's all kinds of flavors that are available, but that can also be a draw for our, our kids, too. And so if a kid got into their uh, their parents' e-cigarette and the liquid that goes in there, it is definitely potentially dangerous for our children. Um, I was reading something about how just the number of calls to the poison control that have gone up because of exposure to these e-cigarettes that their kids have gotten into them because if you see them they're they're really small um and it they're kind of enticing because you don't really know i mean they they look very harmless right and so for the the scary thing is especially for your little ones around the house nicotine toxicity in someone who's never been exposed to nicotine like your small children Mm -hmm. uh is very uh, very want to happen. I mean, it's it can easily happen if they get into your liquid. Um, and, you know, again, it goes back to the most concerning thing, and it's it's time that we start to mimic the changes that we made with cigarettes mm-hmm. to get them away from kids. You know, when it first started, you had cigarettes in movies, you had uh, Joe Camel and these <laughs> kid-like graphics on cigarettes uh, and flavored cigarettes. And you know, with our tobacco laws, all of that was removed. And, uh, you know, it's it's time that we do that with e-cigarettes as well. Right. So some of the side effects that we see with um, nicotine toxicity and poisoning um, would be increased heart rate, um, definitely raises your heart rate, vomiting, uh, getting real jittery, um, unsteadiness. It can make them have some trouble breathing. Um, so those are some very common side effects that we would see uh, with the nicotine poisoning. 
Some other things that recently have come out that we were talking about is the new, uh, the FDA just released something this week about uh, seizures and the potential that there could be a link between seizures and e-cigarettes. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's perfect timing for our talk this week. Um, and, you know, we don't know. It's it's any time that you see any medical news um, in you know, the normal mainstream media, you need to kind of take it with a grain of salt and understand that a lot of times these are just things that are observed. You know, we have no proof, um, especially from this article, that these e-cigarettes cause seizures, but they are seeing an observation. And that's that's very typical. Even with our medications, you know, they go through clinical trials, and then the last stage is post-market surveillance. So people start taking these medicines, and you just record things that happen after they take the medicines, and you try to piece it together and see if it's from the medicine. The same thing's true with these e-cigarettes. And so, you know, the the theory and the concern is that just like with with Robert, people are getting way too big a doses of nicotine, which can lead to nicotine toxicity and can lead to seizure. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully now that this is getting out, maybe we'll start to even get more more reports and more data on this and the dangers of e-cigarettes. Right. Yeah, because it was only about, I think, 35 reported cases over, we said, what, nine years? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's when you look at the numbers, that may not be a lot, but, you know, it may be that we're just having to put more and more together. And now that more people know about the more more things together, and now that more people know, we're going to hear about more cases. Hopefully not, but, um, but you know, it would be good to have more data about what the long-term effects are because we don't know exactly what the long-term effects are. So definitely if you see, if you have e-cigarettes in your house and there's any chance that your child could have gotten into the liquid, um, we definitely recommend calling poison control. Um, and they can, they can kind of talk you through about how much they could have potentially been exposed to, what you need to look for um, if you need to seek immediate care. Um, And the poison control number is very easy to find. You can Google it. It's available everywhere. And they are awesome. I don't know if anybody's ever called poison control out there, but um, just to give them a shout out, uh, they do a great job. They follow you up, too. Um, They'll call you after a certain interval and check in and see how things are going, too. So um, it's a great resource out there. And if you're embarrassed or scared to make the call, they also have a really good website where you can go in and say exactly what, you know, the exposure was, if it's a household chemical or whatever, and it'll tell you whether you need to call them or whether it's okay to just watch for a little while and then call or go straight to the ER. So that's that's another good way to at least screen whenever your kid gets into something they're not supposed to be in. So we're talking today about vaping and tobacco use, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 I'm sure some of you out there have or smokers out there and have experience with this. And maybe you can share some of your stories about how you quit smoking or how you quit using e-cigarettes. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So please give us a call. So, yeah. So um, as we've mentioned before, e-cigarettes are not an FDA approved for quitting smoking. Um, there are some methods out there, but e-cigarettes are not what we recommend using. Um, and as we've we've kind of stressed already is we're trying to get the information out there so that we can try to prevent our teenagers from using it so that they do not carry this on into adulthood. Because we do know that there is a... Um, there is a relation to starting e-cigarettes and smoking later on down the road, right? Yes. So that's and that's the biggest issue for for me versus you know an adolescent and teen doctor is that 
the likelihood of once you start using e-cigarettes that you go ahead and progress on to actual um, tobacco cigarettes uh, is very high. And once that starts, it's a downhill process to all kinds of diseases. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a lung doctor and I focus on those diseases, but the even bigger issues with, with cigarette smoking uh, are the cardiovascular diseases, mm-hmm. so stroke, heart attack, mm-hmm. uh, and those issues um, are very common with tobacco smokers. So what can you do as a parent? I think one of the biggest things is, um, you know, as we talked earlier, it's a $2.5 billion industry. And I saw somewhere where about $125 million are spent on advertising for e-cigarettes, which is which is crazy. Um, so a lot of that advertising is going to be online and on TV. So uh, trying to limit screen time, which is a good thing anyway. We want you to limit your screen time for your kids anyway. But definitely try to watch like how, how much uh, they're getting on their iPads or their tablets, whatever their device is, because that's where they get all these ads from. This is where they see the pop-ups. Um, TV as well. Um, they know who to target. They, they pay people lots of money to figure out who exactly and how they can target target so but screen time is probably going to be one of the biggest things um and parents out there you need to familiarize yourself with these products the the first generation e-cigarettes looked like cigarettes um and it was you know the thought was people will move to them and you know still have the feeling of holding a cigarette but now they can look like anything Mm -hmm. they look like key fobs they look like usb drives so you need to be very cognizant of what your kids have and what they're using We'll go to a caller. We've got Craig in Biloxi. Thanks for calling, Craig. Yes, uh, good morning. Yeah, I'm uh, 60 years old, and, and uh, I will say that cigarettes is probably the worst thing I ever picked up. And uh, I, also, I also managed to quit 25 years ago by practicing and exercising my willpower with, li- with little things. Like if you wanted to smoke a cigarette, you wait for like five minutes. And when you get up in the morning, you wait for an hour before you can uh, have a cigarette or after you eat, et cetera. Congratulations. That's a, that's a big, big accomplishment. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell me if there's anything beneficial to do for your lungs to, to help your airways, you know, steam rooms or exercise <laughs> or breathing exercises. So the the good news, and back to, you know, you made the point that the worst thing you ever did for yourself was picking up cigarettes. Well, the best thing you've ever done for yourself is quitting. Um, the, the good news with most of the risk factors associated with smoking, after about 10 years of being quit, uh, your risks of all those diseases go back to normal. Um, so you having quit 25 years ago um, limits your risk um, of the associated diseases. As far as what to do for your lungs, uh, you touched on it. Exercise is going to be the best thing you can do. Using that diaphragm, taking big, deep breaths with exercise. Uh, The lungs, certainly, it's true. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, So get out there and stress yourself, exercise, and you'll see the benefits. Okay. Thanks for calling, Craig. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back to continue our discussions about vaping and tobacco use. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're talking about vaping. Um, it's becoming more and more popular trend in our teens and adults. And so we're talking today about some of the potential long-term effects that we see with vaping. We've got Dr. Wes Aldred on with us. He is a pulmonologist at UMMC, and he's helping us with these discussions. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll go next to our caller, Janet. Thanks for calling, Janet. Uh, yes, I'll be brief. This is not really about teens, but it's about a, a friend of mine who smoked for many years. He had a, a major mental trouble, and uh, it really had an onset about the time he started smoking heavily when he moved away from his parents. And uh, then, I, you know, no one was making the connection between smoking and his mental trouble. But when he stopped smoking, um, he, he stopped. Well, there was a manifestation of voices telling him things, uh, but that, that stopped when he stopped smoking. And uh, um, he, he would act odd, but then that stopped for the, a large part when he stopped smoking. And then one day, uh, I would talk to him on the phone a lot during this time. I'd known him for over 30 years. And when he went back into a smoking environment to play cards with friends, he started acting weird again for that one day. And I said, have you been around smoking? And he said he had. So I don't know how much research is being done on this. I don't know. Uh, anything about it, and I might be off topic a little bit, but it would be interesting for someone to look at the past histories of people with some psychiatric disorders and see if they correlate to periods of heavy smoking. That's just the comment I wanted to say. It's not really my right to talk about someone else, but uh, this is just what I've observed. Sure. Well, thank you for the call. And certainly, you know, we're talking about the dangers of tobacco and nicotine today. So it's it's certainly on topic. Um, as far as research that goes, there, there are correlations between cigarette usage, tobacco usage, and psychiatric illness um, that's known in the literature, but nothing that I know of that's causative. Um, but certainly, anything that's got that many chemicals in it that you don't know the side effects of, I wouldn't put... Um, any side effects past some of some of these um, active chemicals? I'm trying to say every person with mental illness who smokes that it's due to cigarette smoking, but maybe in his case it was. Maybe so. A little bit. That's all I wanted to say, and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. thank you for your call. And the other thing to think about, too, is um, especially if, you, if people hand-roll their cigarettes, too, um, there's always... Uh, different components that could be put in there, just like any we've. Uh, what was that? A couple of years ago, I guess it was when they had the spice, mm-hmm. the big spice uh, 
issue that we dealt with that oh, we saw a lot of them at the university yeah, i know still seeing some uh, intoxica- intoxications with it but i mean it's it's kind of the same thing you know anytime you're getting uh something from someone else that they've put together there's no there could be any potential that there could be something um in there and that goes for tobacco as well as marijuana or whatever else you're potentially getting from someone that's not fda regulated so we're talking today about vaping and smoking and the uh, possible long-term complications from these, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So we've talked um, a lot about the uh, complication, the potential effects of the nicotine, but one other potential. Um, somebody just sent me a message to remind me about this because this can happen is uh, they can explode and they can cause fires and burns. Um, so you, you have to think about that is this liquid is being heated up. And so there is always potential that there, I mean, we, we've seen that happen before that people get burned and um, these things can explode too. So you also have that potential there too. So especially if, yeah, if you're a kid, um, if you have a little kid that gets access to these and, is not using them properly the way that they were made to be used. There is always that potential there as well for dangers from that. So that's another important fact to think about that I don't think a lot of people think about. So um, so we talked about monitoring your screen time, trying to decrease uh, your children's exposure to these ads. Talk to your kids. I feel like that's another big thing. Um, one, As a pediatrician, when we're doing our checkups, that's one of our uh, things that we always do as our teenagers. We talk to them about smoking and drinking and all the different things. And um, I have noticed that all of my middle schoolers will tell me, well, no, I don't, I don't smoke or I don't drink. But then I ask about vaping, and they, I, I can't even tell you the numbers of middle school kids and high school kids that are vaping and don't associate it with smoking. Um, so they don't know that there's any connection to that. So um, I always try to talk to them about that and that um, that it, it causes damage to their lungs. It leads them to potentially smoking down the future. So just make sure that you talk to your kids, um, which I know we, we harp on that all the time, just open communication with your children um, in general. But definitely, you know, when you're doing when you talk to them about smoking and drinking, talk to them about vaping, too. Um, and like Dr. Aldred said, educate yourself about this so that you know what to tell your kids to look for, because they are very um, they're very enticing with the flavors and the way that they look and all the different things that come along with them. I agree. And I, I think that kind of leads us into uh, another topic we haven't broached yet, especially for those uh, parents that do smoke. Um, it's, it's important for you to know, um, and this is not a guilt trip, it's just a fact that it is much more likely that your child will go on to smoke cigarettes um, if they see you smoking, if they're, they come from, from smoking parents. And that's one concern. The other concern is that the actual secondhand smoke um, that you produce or that any smoker produces has very, very serious health side effects. Um, over the last 20 years, we've found much more data um, and much more association between health diseases and secondhand smoke. Just inhaling um, someone's secondhand smoke immediately can make um, your platelets, which are um, 
the cells in your body that help you clot. Um, if you were to start bleeding, they can make your platelets much more active and they're much more likely to form clots. So for those folks out there that already have heart disease, uh, that have coronary artery disease, just inhaling someone else's cigarette puts you at higher risk of having a heart attack um, in that instant. Yeah. And I was telling Dr. Alder when I was kind of looking through some of these things and statistics, um, secondhand smoke, this is now this is tobacco smoke, but secondhand smoke um, exposure leads to about 3,000 deaths each year from lung cancer and also tens of thousands of deaths related to like heart disease, like he was talking about heart attacks and strokes. So, um, that's, those are pretty staggering statistics when you think about it. These it, are people that have never touched a cigarette and have just been around people that smoke. It is, and the, we've actually got some data that's from right here in Mississippi, um, studies done in both Hattiesburg and Starkville um, who went smoke-free, and they looked at um, ER visits related to heart attacks and heart disease before initiation of smoke-free laws and after initiation of smoke-free laws, and they saw a huge decrease in the number of those ER visits, and that's all likely from secondhand smoke exposure. Another statistic I saw that was um, kind of stopped me in my tracks was secondhand smoke can, this is secondhand smoke, so this is not people that are directly smoking the cigarettes, still contains about 4,000 different chemicals, 50 of which that we know are cancer-causing, but probably more. But, I mean, 4,000 chemicals just from being near someone that's smoking. Right, and even the even scarier thing, if you take it down one more degree, what we call Mm third-hand smoke exposure. So someone that smokes, they're outside, they get the particles in their hair and in their clothes, they come inside. That exposure to third-hand smoke uh, can also cause a lot of these issues. And so for those of you out there that have kids that have respiratory illnesses, whether it's, you know, asthma or allergies or something like cystic fibrosis, you need to be very careful who you let interact with your kids in relation to when they have recently smoked. Yep. So we've got a few callers. So we'll go to Jesse. Thanks for calling, Jesse. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm a vape- vapor. I've been vaping for about four years now. It helped me uh, quit smoking. But uh, you'd mentioned about uh, e-cigarettes being known to explode because of the batteries. And I wanted to comment on that because I've been uh, working with a lot of people who uh, vape and have uh, heard about that. Uh, From what I understand, the deal is there's two types of vape subs. There's one that have regulators and kill switches for cutting off the batteries when they get overheated. And then there's unregulated vape vapors that just have a direct connection between the vaporizer and the battery itself that don't have kill switches. And those are the ones that have been known to explode more often because people aren't paying attention to, you know, how much stress they're putting on the battery and nobody's teaching them what they're supposed to do. So they're just hitting it and hitting it and hitting it and not paying attention to how hot the battery's getting, and then they're just blowing up. And a lot of people have stopped, I know, vape shops that have stopped even selling them because uh, of that fear of them exploding. And the ones that do sell them have gotten really strict and make sure that people know how to use them so there's not that fear. And I just think that if you're going to be doing that, you need to, 
know what you're getting into and learn how to properly use it so you don't have to worry about them exploding. Uh, Jesse, I think that brings up a couple of great points. And number one, congratulations on quitting smoking cigarettes. That's a huge deal. Uh, but number two, it, it, it goes even more to the point that if, you know, as thoughtful as um, those comments were that you just gave us, you can't expect an adolescent uh, or a teenager to go through that same thought process about, you know, which product should I buy because I'm thinking about how to regulate the heat. And that goes to the point of, you know, why are these things allowed to be sold online to whoever can just get online and buy them with no knowledge? Um, and so it, it, it points to some of the, the holes in the laws that we're seeing right now with how these things are sold. Uh, but those are a couple of really important points. I'm glad you called. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for your call. We'll go next to Kathy. Thanks for calling, Kathy. Hey, um, I thought when vaping came out, that was going to be the answer to my prayers because I couldn't take the medicine because of medical reasons that they offered, so I tried it, okay? And I kept it clean and did everything I was supposed to do. My mouth broke out, my throat broke out, my tongue, the whole nine yards. Another doctor trip, so I'm not hip to this. I know I'm probably going to go leave off this earth from smoking, but I know my kids won't. And I know the next generation probably, hopefully, has more sense than we did. Because we were told that at one point in history that it was good for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's that's all I had to say. Just, just tell them to be careful, because it's not just... It can really, really affect your... The doctor told me, you know, it was something I was probably allergic to, something they put in it, you know, or, you know, so it happens. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for your call and for sharing your story. And that's what we hope to do with this is to, you know, continue to raise awareness because we have made huge strides in tobacco use and seeing that decrease. Um, People decrease the people starting smoking i guess we still have lots of smokers out there but decrease in the people that start smoking um and so we're, we're just trying to get the word out there to our kids and teens and families so thank you for sharing your story we'll go next to john thanks for calling john hi i'm uh, a former smoker and a retired psychologist and i like to speak to them psychological part of addiction. When I quit smoking in 1970, after coming back from Southeast Asia and going from a pack a day to three and a half packs a day, um, I discovered something. Not long after I quit smoking, they had ads on TV that were anti-smoking ads. And one of them had a, a room, a small room with a guy sitting in it in a chair. And he took a drag of a cigarette, inhaled, and then exhaled, and the smoke filled up the room. Then they ran it backwards, and all that room full of smoke went back into his lungs. And when I saw that, I got extremely angry. And then I stopped and thought, why am I getting angry? I don't even smoke anymore. (laughs) And then I realized 
they were putting down a substance I was still in love with. I was not a psychologist at the time. Uh, I was an Air Force officer. But addiction, besides the physical aspects of it, is a love affair with a substance. And kids need to be made aware of that in order to be able to quit. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I, I appreciate your your call. I appreciate your your insight into this and your personal experience. And congratulations on quitting. But you bring up, you know, essentially the topics we've been talking about. The concern is that this is just a new avenue to create nicotine addiction in the next generation, and that you know it's once they get to these huge nicotine levels that they're going to you know switch over to cigarettes, and it's it's going to be a gateway drug into into a world of trouble. Uh, so thanks for calling. So, yeah, so we're talking today about vaping and tobacco use. We've got a few minutes left, so if you have a question, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Thank you, everybody, for sharing your calls and your stories out there. And um, we know how addictive it is. Unfortunately, Dr. Aldred and I, um, we both trained in internal medicine together before he became pulmonary. And um, so we know, uh, we we see it every day, unfortunately, um, the complications and consequences of cigarette smoking, um, heart attacks, strokes, lung disease, um, you name it. Um, there are, smoking causes so many different uh, uh, complications later and down the road that we have to take care of as internal medicine doctors. So um, if we can try to prevent and stop that before you get to that addiction, because um, it is hard to quit. It is very hard to quit. So if we can stop it and prevent it, that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to spread awareness. Um, and that's one thing I would encourage you to do, too, is to get involved with some of those uh, in your community and in your kids' schools and different things like that. See what kind of programs they have out there so that you can help spread awareness for that. Sure. And for, for any of those that are still struggling with um, nicotine addiction, tobacco um, addiction. Just know that there are a lot of, especially in the state of Mississippi, there's a lot of help out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are groups called the ACT Centers, um, which your doctor can tell you about, um, that are located all over the state, and it's a huge resource. Yeah, they're um, they're great. They're, the one here in Jackson is at the Medical Mall. Um, I think some of the ones across the state, they have closed, but I think there's still a few open, but not as many, unfortunately, as there used to be. Um, but you can also access the, the national hotline, too, the 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Um, I tell my patients about that all the time, too. So what these a lot of what these centers do is they provide uh, the patches or the gums, uh, whatever, whatever nicotine replacement therapy works best for you. They also can give you prescriptions for medications like Chantix, Wellbutrin, um, some of the other medications that we use. And then the good thing about it is is uh, they follow up with you, too. You know, So it's not like they just give you these medications and say, see you later, good luck. Um, they, they follow up with you. They have follow-up appointments. They make phone call appointments. The same thing for the National Quit Hotline, too. Um, they also make follow-up phone calls. Um, so they can all, the Quit Hotline also provides uh, nicotine replacement. And I'm not, I'm not sure about prescriptions if they do that, but I know they provide, uh, patches and gums and things like that too. 
But the follow-up is what's so important, and that's what I try to stress to my patients about um, when I'm trying to get them referred to the Act Center to call the quit hotline because it's hard to do it alone. Yeah. Um, and I like, like I said, three out of four of my grandparents smoked, and um, it, it took them having lung cancer to quit. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a hard habit to quit. So if you you need that support system, and sometimes you can't do it alone, and it's okay to have to use a nicotine replacement medicine. It's okay to have to use a prescription medication for it. So um, talk to your doctor if you're interested in it, or if you don't want to talk to your doctor about it, you know, you can Google the Act Center. You can call the National Quit Hotline and um, find some resources for that as well. In our last few minutes, one thing I'd, I'd like to address, you know, is physicians we we have to put on our advocacy hats at uh, at times and try to get out there and advocate to the legislature for our patients um, and for the people of Mississippi and you know I, I think it's it's high time for the state of Mississippi to go smoke free um, throughout the state um, it's it's amazing to me in the year 2019 that you're still allowed to do something in public that has known detrimental effects to those around you. And unfortunately, we don't know if e-cigarettes cause the same issue. We don't know what secondhand exposure to e-cigarettes um, can be doing. So everybody uh, that's out there that smokes, that's your decision. Um, but you you need to work on being cognizant uh, of who you're around and the risk you're putting to other people. And it's, it's time for the Mississippi legislature to step up um, and ban smoking. So we've had great discussions today about vaping use and tobacco use. If you have any questions, feel free to email us. Uh, we'd be happy to hear answer any of your questions that you may have. You can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Aldred, for coming on with us today. Thank I you think, for having me. Yeah, you've, you've taught me a few things, too, and so I appreciate it. And like I said, reading some of these numbers were just, were just staggering statistics. And so um, get out there, spread the word so we can uh, help slow this vaping trend down um but this has been southern remedy kids and teens it's a production of mississippi public broadcasting and think radio and is funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and generous support from listeners like you today's show was engineered by jay white i'm dr morgan mcleod join us next thursday at 11 for southern remedy kids and teens and stay tuned for npr's here and now coming up next on mpb think radio